following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Hi there, Artisan Podcast listeners. I'm bringing you a sermon podcast today uh, in an unusual way. I'm recording this in my home office right now because uh, the version of it that I preached at Artisan Church on November 24th, Christ the King Sunday, was lost because of a, a computer error. And so um, normally I would just let that go, but I did have a couple of people who say that they found the sermon really meaningful to them and uh, in hopes that it will be meaningful to you, um, not only because others said that to me, but because it's a topic that I think is important um, for my own understanding of God, uh, I decided I wanted to share it as best I could. It won't be quite the same as having um, the recording of a sermon that I give in the context of an artisan worship gathering. That's really where this is intended to be used. Um, this this presentation is is different and kind of removed from its um, purpose. But be that as it may, uh, I hope that you find it meaningful in some way. So I'd like to ask you to begin um, by thinking of a king. And I wonder, when I say the word king, uh, who comes to mind for you first? Which king uh, comes to mind? Is it an actual uh, literal king? Like for me, it would be King George, the king of England during the American Revolution. Maybe it's a fictional king for you. I, I thought of a bunch of fictional kings myself. Um, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, uh, if you're a fantasy nerd, no doubt came to mind. Or Aslan, the original Lion King, uh, if you'll pardon the, the phrase. A favorite king from my childhood reading. Maybe something entirely different um, came to mind for you. But on Christ the King Sunday, we had spent the previous two entire months following Jesus around in a series that you may remember was called On the Road with Jesus, where we were imagining ourselves to be among Jesus' disciples and observing his uh, behaviors and listening to his teachings and uh, all that kind of stuff. And we had been studying the passages in the Gospel of Luke that the lectionary assigned to us during those two months. And that series concluded on November 24th, the Christ the King Sunday, um, also known as Reign of Christ Sunday. Now, um, that is always the last Sunday of the year on the Christian liturgical calendar. So we're now in the season of Advent, which started uh, on the first Sunday in December this year. But the last Sunday before Advent begins is always Reign of Christ Sunday. It's a day when we think about Jesus as our King and worship him as such. But that can be sort of challenging for us uh, who are Americans um, because we have rather a complicated history with kings. That's actually why I thought of King George, right? Uh, we as Americans are innately unused to any kind of system with a ruler that we can't vote out of office. Um, and yet, the language of monarchy, the language of a king, is the language that is used in scripture to describe Jesus. And in, if Jesus is our king, we need to engage with the idea of kingship on some level. Um, I uh, am really fond of an old Derek Webb song called A King in a Kingdom that says, My first allegiance is not to a flag, to a country, or a man, 
my first allegiance is not to democracy or blood, it's to a king and a kingdom. And that's why I wanted to start out the sermon by asking you to imagine what a king is like in your mind, because that's going to filter, or it's going to be a filter for understanding Christ as a king. But here's the thing that you need to know about Jesus uh, as a king. Uh, It's that whatever conventional expectations of a king might be, he's very likely to turn all of that on its head. And that's just as he has done all through the series on the road with Jesus, through his teaching, his actions, his stories. He sets up a group of expectations only to, more often than not, surprise his audience and the world with a totally different end result. And so, we should probably have expected something unusual, but it still might be shocking uh, to open up the gospel reading on Christ the King Sunday and to read these words. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Now, since you Uh, This would have been read in worship prior to the sermon. Let me go on and finish the passage there. This is from Luke 23, starting in verse 33. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, since you are under the same, or do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So then, What kind of king do we have in Jesus? Who is this crucified king? Well, first and foremost, we have a king who forgives his enemies, the very people who put him on that cross. And that's obvious right from the beginning of the passage. You remember the the very next sentence after the sentence that uh, identifies this king as being crucified is the sentence that says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the idea of Jesus as one who forgives his enemies is incredibly important to understanding, I think, God and the whole universe and Christian theology. Um, It's central. But as important as it is, it's not the aspect of the story that that was really lighting up my soul during the time when I was preparing this sermon. And I'll tell you what it was that was lighting up my soul in just a minute, but first I want to ask you to engage in a little bit of an imaginative exercise. And I will recognize right up front that what I'm going to ask you to do right now might be somewhat painful for you to do. Because what I want to ask you to do is to imagine a time when you utterly failed at something. You failed at your job, you failed at a school event, you failed at parenting. You had some kind of moral failure, whatever it might be for you. 
think back to that time and, and really try to imagine how you felt in that moment when the failure occurred. How did it feel in your body? Did you feel the, the heat of that shame on the back of your necks or, uh, or on your cheeks? Now I want you to imagine that someone has hung a sign over your head that makes a mockery of your failure. So if you had a, a blow up at one of your kids, um, somebody might put world's best dad over you. Or if you, if you failed at a, uh, a physics exam that you needed to pass in order to get into the degree program that was the thing that you were going to spend your whole life doing and they wrote a sign uh, or made a t-shirt or something that said A-plus physics student and, and made you carry it around. Or maybe even worse, they sarcastically started to ask you for parenting advice or how to do a complex physics calculation. Just a, a completely demoralizing takedown of you in your lowest moment. Just a completely sarcastic um, criticism of you uh, at your deepest failure. Now, depending on what the type of failure was that you imagined, um, that might have been extremely painful for you to think about because it's. Um, I happen to know that it's raw and real for some people at Artisan. Even right now, uh, I've been talking to people and offering pastoral counseling and that kind of thing. And I know that there are a number of people who are going through major uh, crises that are in some cases related to failures that they have had. And surely there are more than I'm even aware of. Maybe you know of somebody, maybe you are somebody. And so what I was drawn most to in this gospel reading, the thing that, as I said, lit up my soul during the time when I was preparing the sermon was the fact that Jesus is a king who suffers. Jesus is a king who suffers. And I think the reason that the suffering of Jesus became so attractive to me um, was that I, I knew that some of you were suffering. And if you're a person who's not suffering, if, if it's kind of all coming up roses for you right now, um, Maybe that doesn't. Maybe you're not as drawn to this idea as some others might be, um, and I would just encourage you to remember each other. Remember that the people who sit next to you at church or who um, who are listening to this podcast at the same time as you, they are having a different experience than than yours, and and it might be that you are a part of God's plan to comfort somebody in their suffering. But on the cross, Jesus was surrounded by people who, at best, thought that he had let them all down. I mean, the, the people who thought he would be the kind of king who would overthrow the Romans and then felt like, uh-oh, he's dying now. I guess that's not happening. I guess we were wrong about him. Those were kind of like the people who thought the best of him in that moment. Mostly, as the gospel passage described, it was people who hated him or who were openly mocking him, who were insulting him, who were putting a sign over his head sarcastically proclaiming him the king of the Jews, even as clearly in the eyes of everybody there, uh, his, um, his play for the overthrow of the Roman Empire, uh, which is, of course, what people were expecting, was, was dying on, on the cross. So you see, the reason that I put 
you through this exercise, even though I knew it would be painful for you to relive an experience of failure, is so that you can know how deep in your being, um, so that you can know deep in your being that Jesus understands your suffering. He understands your shame. He knows your pain. And what's more, I would actually say that those of you who are suffering are the ones in our community who are actually the closest to Jesus. And so you're a great asset and benefit to our community when you are experiencing that. Here's why. The cross allows Jesus, who was in very nature God, to identify with the depths of human suffering. But at the same time, it also allows humanity to identify with God, to become even to become more divine in their suffering. And it's even more than that. It's the crucifixion that makes Jesus the king in the first place. That's why we get the story of the crucifixion on the week that's called Christ the King Sunday. It seems very counterintuitive to have this moment of failure, even though we know in retrospect that it was a moment of triumph. It seems strange to have placed that on Christ the King Sunday, except that it is the self-sacrifice, it's the suffering that makes him the Savior. And that's why the Apostle Paul, quoting an early Christian creed, by the way, in the first chapter of Colossians, one of the other lectionary passages for Christ the King Sunday, said um, in verse 20 of chapter 1, Through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And what that means is that no matter who you are, there is hope in the cross. Have you been an enemy of God? Then you are forgiven. Have you been unfaithful? Jesus died for you anyway. Are you swallowed up in your suffering? Jesus identifies with you. Are you frail, weak, and helpless? acutely aware of the fact that you are a tiny speck in a vast and ever-expanding universe, well, then he lifts you up as he is lifted up. All seemed lost on that day, and yet, through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace. How? Through the blood of his cross. And so uh, it's the crucifixion that makes Jesus our king. And I hope that if you are a person who is uh, experiencing the depths of the human experience right now, that, that you find that identification with Christ to be meaningful to you. And I'd like to pray for you now. God, Uh, For all those listening to this, uh, I pray that uh, your spirit would be close to them. And Lord, uh, especially for those who are suffering and who feel that they have been uh, taken down a peg by the world, um, who have been derided by their friends and cast aside by those who love them, that they would know 
the peace and comfort that comes only from the identification of Christ the Savior having experienced that same thing. May this uh, observation of Christ as the suffering king be the kind of thing that changes our perspective, not only about Jesus, but uh, about the whole world, about ourselves, about the universe, uh, about our place in it. And I pray this in the name of that suffering Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.